0: Uh, this church, Park Ford Church, has been around for a long time. Some of you uh, know that. It's been around for a couple hundred years and uh, wasn't in this location. This isn't a couple hundred-year-old building. But uh, this congregation has a legacy to it. Of course, the kingdom of God, the New Testament church, has a legacy that goes back a couple thousand years. And, of course, long before that, all the way um, through the Old Testament as well. Um, but uh, this local congregation, as far as as long as I can remember it, and I was raised in this congregation, it was a praying church, a church that uh, uh, believed in the power of prayer, believed in God moving, and that when uh, there were things that were in front of us, it wasn't our job just to figure out how to get it done, it was our job to go to the Lord and to ask Him what it is that He wanted to do. And I remember as a kid, I have all sorts of memories of prayer meetings, of uh, you know, little pockets of prayer all throughout the church where people would be praying and then gathering together and having prayer time together. And all of that, and uh, when Josh and I came here seven years ago to walk this church through a replanting process, uh, we would ask each other all the time like what is what are we shooting for here?" and we were looking for uh, pictures you know you always kind of want to look for pictures of what is the kind of thing that god 's calling us to, and one of the places that um, we look to as a as a model for the kind of ministry that that we believe the Scriptures talked about and made sense in our day and age was Brooklyn Tabernacle up in uh, Brooklyn in New York. And if you've ever read, read the book Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, I know many of you have, there's the, all these stories about the people who just pray, and when they pray, God moves. And so um, at the same time that we were kicking off the replant here, we were starting Netzer and bringing pastors together, and we really wanted the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle to come down and teach uh, us all a little bit about his experience in being a praying church and seeking the Lord that way. And so Josh and I regularly would go up on Tuesday nights up to Brooklyn to their prayer meeting. Their prayer meeting's awesome. And I was saying at first service, um, they, if you haven't been to a Tuesday night prayer meeting at Brooklyn Tabernacle, you have to put it on your bucket list. For a lot of people in first service, that bucket list needs to happen quicker than many here so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you that in this service you need to uh, sorry dave my man So, <laughs> so what I'm going to say is, instead of putting it on your bucket list, you guys have to put it on your five-year plan or something. You know, like you got to put it on your goals. You can't wait put it on a bucket list. For some of you, it will just stay there for a long time. So you've got to get up there. Tuesday nights, it's awesome. If you show up like a half hour early, you're late. Because there's already people in there worshiping the Lord, praising. Long before the service starts, they're hungry for God. And there's and there's just such a sense of, of uh, a people gathered in prayer before the Lord. It's a holy... Holy uh, moment when they gathered together for prayer. So, we would go up there just to be refreshed. We would do this historically anyway. I would go up there, um, but uh, we went up this one Tuesday, and I was with Randy Mullins, you know, Randy from Abundant Bible Life, um, Abundant Life Bible Church, and uh, and so it was Randy and I and Josh, and I, I think someone else was with us. And we were on our way up, and it was in the car on the way up, and I just prayed. And I said, "Lord, let me run into Pastor Simbola so that I can ask him to come speak at Netzer." So we get up there and we go through the whole service, and it was an awesome service. And uh, at the end of the service, we hadn't interacted with him, we hadn't run into him at all or anything. And there was a whole line of people who were trying to talk to him because I mean, they have thousands of people show up for the prayer service on Tuesday nights, you know. And so it's very difficult to get in touch with them. So we just we went home. We were headed home. And as we were walking back to the car, Randy, there's something that you can only find at, in Brooklyn at the grocery store. And I don't know what it was. I don't even remember. He's like, I got to go to this grocery store. <laughs> we're like, okay. So we go into the grocery store. We're hanging out. He gets what he needs. And we walk back out of the grocery store and we're headed back down the street. And we, and we pass Pastor Simbola, who comes walking down the street, headed into this grocery store to get some Polish meat, I don't know, he was, you know, and uh, and he goes walking past us, and we're like, hey, how are you? And he, we were telling him, you know, we love the service and everything, or whatever, and he just spoke blessing to us, and then we kept walking, and I got about 50 yards past him, and the Lord was, like, knocking on my heart, like, dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> to quote God, dude, you know, he was like, but he seriously was just like, Tim, you prayed that you'd be able to interact with Pastor Symbolo, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, like, I'm that thick. Yes. So I turned around and went running back into the grocery store. And here he is at the counter ordering this meat. And I totally felt like a stalker at this point, And was like, hey, uh, Pastor Simula, you know, uh, I, I prayed on the way up here that I would run into you. Because we have this network of pastors in our area. And, I, and I, I'd love it if you would come down and speak. And he said, Absolutely, that sounds like the Lord. So then he came down here and there was a bunch of, he said, 24 24 people, uh, we do this thing called 24-7, so I'll speak to 24 people for seven hours. And so for seven hours all day, he sat here with a bunch of us in the sanctuary and was teaching us and it was awesome. On that day, he said, said, hey, I'm gonna be bringing a friend of mine with me and uh, he's from Philadelphia and he's a man of prayer and he's gonna be praying for me throughout the day. And his name is also... Jim, but his name is Jim Maxon. And uh, so he's going to be coming uh, with me. And so that's how I met Jim. So Jim was here for that day and he was praying for Pastor they their friends. I don't know their whole story. I know that God put their paths together and that, uh, you know, Jim has traveled the world with Jim and they've prayed and done things. They've seen prayer gatherings happen in the city that have been awesome. And uh, God's just kind of intertwined their paths as well. And now God has intertwined our paths. And God recently has used Jim to speak heavily into, into to my life into to Netzer as well. And so as our uh, paths got intertwined, you know, we've been praying all over Pottstown for the last... Uh, seven years, actually more than that, praying for God to bring awakening in his church and to bring connection in his church. And uh, when we realized that Jim, uh, Jim was sharing with us what he does for uh, his ministry, Acts 4.13, is they gather churches together across a city, across a region to come together in prayer. And so we've been praying for this for a long period of time. And then God brings this man who organizes these kind of events. And it was just, it was awesome to see how God pieced that whole thing together. And so eventually uh, we said, all right, let's do this. Let's have a prayer gathering in Pottstown. And uh, again, on Thursday, it was awesome just watching pastors kind of come out of the woodwork. Um, and most of those pastors that were there were not part of the Netzer network. They've already heard about it. So there's all these other pastors that came on Thursday who I didn't know yet. I got to meet a bunch of them. One of them called Josh Bitework that morning and said, Hey, we're trying to do an alpha course on High Street or whatever. Uh, we heard you guys did alpha, and can, you, can we connect? And Josh is like, Do you pray? <laughs> like Yeah. Um, do you, do you have plans for lunch? No. Do you want to come to this thing? Yes. And she was there. This, it was incredible. It was awesome. So, um, God has uh, great stuff in store for, um, for his church in our area. And Jim Maxim has been a blessing from the Lord as a part of that one who's called to harvest over the prayers of people who have prayed for a long time. And one of the things that Jim spoke to me is he said, All those ladies who have gone before you have been on their knees for years praying for revival in this land. God's about to answer some of those prayers, you know. And uh, I remember people at this church gathered down in the old kitchen down at Parker Ford just praying, praying these ladies who would sit there and pray. And that's who I pictured. And God's doing awesome stuff. So Jim has uh, become a blessing to us in that way. He's going to come and share now. He's going to share some of his stories, some of his vision. He's going to share about the Lord and about prayer before he does. There's a video that he's um, asked us to show to kind of set up his talk. So I'm going to pray, and then you're going to see that video. And then Jim and his wife Kathy – well, Jim's going to share. This is his wife Kathy. She's an awesome woman of prayer, too. We were in the back praying, and I, I'm just getting to know Kathy. And she uh, – God had Kathy praying for all the kids of our church this morning, which was just such an awesome prayer. Um, so anyway, join me in prayer, and uh, we'll get going. Father God, we thank you and praise you. We give you honor and glory right now. We just ask that everything that you have in store for us, that what you want to communicate, you would communicate clearly. We ask that Holy Spirit, you would keep our hearts fertile and soft. You would keep our, our ears in tune, that you would uh, breathe through Jim, and you would speak clearly that the Word of God would be alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, and that it would divide between our soul and our spirit, our joint and our marrow, and it would set out and accomplish everything that it set out to accomplish. We know it won't return void. So God, speak your Word in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: The United States. 1857. Slavery, rebellion, rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had, and one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men, and they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice, and when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had to have waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. The revival eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. And so many people came to Christ. Churches had to hold services outside just to accommodate the crowds. The world had seen nothing like it before or since. Global Revival God started it with one man. It changed the course of history. And now, in today's world, people need to know, can history repeat itself? Can it happen again?
2: Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for the privilege and the joy to come before you and to enter the very holy of holies, God, as we avail ourselves to you. Father, we worship you and praise you. God Almighty, we invite you to come, Lord, come with all of your strength and might. Father, fall fresh upon your people in this room here today. Almighty God, may we not leave here the way we came. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, please, please, God, allow us to sense your presence. Father, we yield to you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we yield to you, and God, we give you, God, we just ask you to come. We give you our hearts, Lord. Move in us, Father, any way that you want. God, speak through us, Lord, and give us the words, Father, the unction from on high. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, bless this church, Almighty God. Bless Tim and Josh and their wives and children. Bless the staff, God. May they send such an unction, Lord. May they know, God, that something happened in the heavenlies in this place today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, almighty God, we worship you and praise you. Send this revival, O God. Father, send it, God. Show us, Lord. Show us how to pray, O God. Show us how to spend time with you, Lord. Father, show us just what our our authority is. Show us, God, what our privilege is. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, God, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name. Well, good morning, guys. Girls, it's good to be here. Uh, my wife and I are thrilled uh, to be here. My wife is Kathy. We've been married 40 years this June. And uh, we have three sons, three daughter-in-laws, three grandchildren. And no, I don't belong in the first service. <laughs> Tim made me wear a tie in a suit. I was going to wear jeans and a shirt. But it's great to be here. We're really excited uh, because we know that... Uh, uh, through all the events that uh, God has led me to this man, um, it was really incredible how he would bring a man like Jim simbola who's a brother in Christ, a servant of the Lord, but a worldwide speaker, a worldwide global uh, apostle, for, for lack of a better word, I don't like using that word, a worldwide speaker of truth for Christ. Um, he'd bring him right here in this building. God's getting ready to do something here because of all of the prayers of the people over time. My wife looked at me one day a few months ago, and she said, uh, "She said, you know, Jimmy, she said, all those prayers that your mother prayed for you, they're still alive. And I said, yeah, and I kind of knew that theologically, but I never really, it really hit home when she said that to me. All the prayers that my mother prayed for me, you're going to see why in a few seconds, that means so much. They're still alive. They're still working today. I want to read a verse to you um, that maybe, perhaps, you haven't. um, Can I put my glasses on? I'm not going to put them on. I'll struggle with it. (laughs) Maybe I will put them on. I'm going to read this verse, and and, uh, this is very revealing. This is not a casual verse. Uh, It's going to be different from the first service. Hang on, Jerry or Emmett. Okay, uh, it's Ephesians 3, chapter 10. Let me read this to you. If you have your Bible, go to it. Ephesians 3, chapter 10. In fact, let's back up. of uh, Let's back up to uh, verse 8, 3-8. Yeah, take your time, get there, because it's really important. We've got a nice, nice crowd here today, and we're going to be a few minutes, but Let's, let's take a look at this verse because of all the songs. You know, we started out in the first service in Proverbs 16, 3 and 9 that um, commit your works unto the Lord and your plans will be established, for the mind of man plans his steps. And um, then we sang those songs in the second service here about God, open up our eyes. God, show us. God, reveal to us. Please, God, lift up the covers for us. Will you do that for me, God? All those songs were beautiful, and, and so God's got an order of the service here. So let's start in verse 8, and, and really let the Holy Spirit speak to you. To me, Apostle Paul, to me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages to God who created all things. And then here it is. So that through everybody sitting in this room today, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What? So that through the church, through the people sitting in this place today, get a hold of this because this is going to change your life. If you're struggling with your prayer life, you won't after today. If you're having a hard time understanding prayer, you won't after today. That's what God has for us. this, This revelation today is what God has for us. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wow. The mystery hidden. Why did God say this? There's a mystery that the rulers and authorities that we cannot see. Just because you don't see them don't mean they aren't there. Anybody can everybody know that there, there's some stuff out there we fight we don't see with our eyes. Huh? Anybody know? Any, does anybody here know someone in any type of bondage today—drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever? Is there anybody here that knows somebody that just can't seem to get set free and live this Christian life the way God wants them to? Anybody know somebody like that? Can I see a show of hands? So there is a few people that know that there's something going on in the atmosphere, right? Well, here's the secret, one of the secrets. So that through you, so that through everybody sitting in this room today, so that through you, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Wow. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, you can put that up on the screen. I'm gonna, in fact, before you do, let me, say it to you, let me read it to you, this version. This is the ESV version, a little better. For the weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal, but they are divine weapons for the pulling down of strongholds. And we're to use these weapons against anything that lifts itself up against the knowledge of God. And we can use these weapons to bring down any negative thought and bring it captive to the obedience of Christ. What's the thing you fight the most? Most of you aren't going to do heroin this afternoon. Most of you aren't going to rob a bank this afternoon. Okay. Most of you aren't going to do something crazy this afternoon. But I'll bet there's a negative thought you might think this afternoon. I'll bet there's something that's going to come against your mind this afternoon. Okay? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against wicked spirits in high places. Because of that, put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand. Take the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Prayer. Prayer is the number one thing that Satan wants to take from you. The number one thing he wants to take from you is prayer. Why? Because it's a weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal, but they are divine weapons for the pulling down of strongholds. And we're to use these weapons against anything lifted up against the knowledge of God, and we can bring every negative thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If I spent 10 minutes with each of you privately today, see, so talk to me. Tell me what's the number one prayer request you have. What is it? And if we could go into a room for a second, and, you and my wife would be with me, and you would look in our eyes, and you would say, Jim and Kathy, would you pray for this? We'd say, okay. Why do you want us to? Because I believe God answers prayer. Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray. What was the number one thing? What's the first thing God did when the blood sacrifice was accepted on the cross? The first thing that happened in the heavenlies was this. Was this. He tore the veil from top to bottom and he opened it up and he said, whosoever will come, come into my presence with all manner of boldness. 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in God, that if we ask God anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if He hears us, we know we have the petitions that we asked of Him. The veil was separated from top to bottom. He said, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, that I would hear from heaven and I would heal their land. It's His promise. On May the 8th, 7 o'clock, Sunnybrook Ballroom, hundreds and hundreds of Christians from all over the area because of these people, Jen and Tim, Shelby and Josh, and the staff here, the people here, the, the older folks here that have been praying and weeping before God for years. Because of that, God has said, it's time. It's time. I'm coming. I'm coming. Why? So that the church, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities. Why do we have church? One of the reasons is to equip you. One of the reasons is to allow you to be ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the equipping of the Holy Spirit would rest so mightily upon you that when you go to work, you'd feel this, not this. Not arrogantly, but humbly, knowing that your Father in heaven has given you the permission to come into his presence with all manner of boldness, that we would use the weapons of our warfare. My grandson, James, seven years old, when he comes to my home, one of the things he likes to do the most is I have, I'm a former Marine and I have a K-bar knife there. And he, Pap, Pap, can I see your knife? I said, sure, James. And my daughter-in-law is looking at me like, here we go. He's going to get cut. I know it. So he goes up there. Come on, I go to my room. It's up in my armor and I pull it down and it's in the sheath. My wife's looking at me like, you're nuts. One of these kids play with these knives. But it's a weapon. He's seven years old. He's a kid. He sees this knife. Pap, pap, can I take it out of there? I said, if you sit down, you can take it out of there. And I'll be there right with you. Take it out. Here, I'll hand it to you. You can play with it. But it's a weapon. And it would hurt him. And I was taught how to use that weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not natural, man-made, or carnal. But they are divine weapons for the pulling down of strongholds. I had a mother, eight children, alcoholic husband. Five out of eight of us became alcoholics. At the age of 18, I laid in a pool of my own blood, had over 300 stitches in my face. I had five tubes in my body feeding me and draining me intravenously. My jawbone came through my skin there. It was busted and wired shut, compound fracture. They didn't know if I'd ever see again get out of my left eye because the amount of glass that had gone in my eye. I have a cut across the top of my skull, very deep. They, th- they thought I was going to have brain damage. And my wife every now and then thinks I have a relapse. <laughs> Sometimes I do, I think. I'm 31 in this service. The first service I was 62. I cut it in half. Is that all right? <clears throat> but I laid in a pool of my own blood. Never read the Bible. Never been to church. Never heard about wicked spirits in high places. Never heard about the weapons of our warfare aren't natural, man-made, or carnal, but divine weapons. Never heard about any of that stuff. Started hardcore drugs at 15, a little bit of jail, all that stuff. Ran with some pretty tough guys. Now I'm in a state where I'm just wasted. Satan's laughing. Because when you're playing around with that stuff, it's not if, it's just when. They called my mother, Mrs. Max, my son's been in an accident. Come down to the hospital. And she said, well, can I come down in the morning? They said, because this was nothing new for her. They said, no ma'am, you don't understand. You have to come tonight. You need to come now. She came down to the hospital. She saw me in the emergency room. Couldn't find a plastic surgeon at two o'clock in the morning. What happened was I was so drunk, a friend drove me home, gave me the keys to the car, said, I'll see you in the morning left I got back in my car and went out for more it was, it was about midnight I figured I had a couple more hours to drink if I could walk if I could talk that meant I could drink because when you're an alcoholic you don't drink just to drink you drink to get totally obliterated when there's something inside of you driving you a stronghold that has control of you you're not you're not controlling it I don't care who you are you can't I couldn't have one drink it wasn't going to happen maybe you can just be careful. And I got back in my car and went out for some more. I had an old 8-track tape player in my glove box. I leaned over to change the tape. One fell on the floor. As I bent over to pick it up, I passed out. I was so drunk. I came to for a brief second. A car was coming at me, and I passed out again. They tell me my car went up an embankment, came down, hit a telephone pole, and I flew through the passenger side of the windshield. After my face and head went through the glass, my shoulders hit the glass. The weight of my body dragged me back in the car, lacerating my face like a meat grinder, like a bunch of razor blades. Cops told me when they went in the car to uh, put his foot in the car to brace to pick me up, the blood came up over top of his shoe. Got me to the hospital, and as they were pulling me out of the car, the cops told me later that, they said, forget it, he's dead. They said, I looked at him and said, no, I'm still with you. They got me in the emergency room. Now my mother's there. Intern's just pulling shards of glass out of my face. Blood's flying everywhere. I said, Mrs. Maxim, we just don't know. Cutting of his skull is very deep, with lacerations. We don't know if he's going to see it out of his left eye. Tremendous amounts of glass. He's fallen into a coma. We'll know when he comes out. Surgeon will be here tomorrow. Interns just sewing him up. There's nothing we can do. She said she got back into her car. And I was a young girl. My mother gave her life to Christ, fell away, married my father. Through a lot of dysfunction, home being repossessed, eight kids, alcoholic husband. She had rededicated her life to Christ. When she did that, her world changed. She came back to this. She used to pray for us. We'd hear her in the room praying for us. Because she knew that the weapons of her warfare warfare, weren't natural, man-made or carnal. But they were divine weapons so it could pull down strongholds. A divine weapon is something you can't see, right? against a stronghold, a demonic stronghold. You can't see that either, right? But I can use this divine weapon over this demonic stronghold to bring it down. Isn't that what the word says? And that through the church, God would reveal the manifold wisdom, the the mystery that's been hidden in the ages through the church to who? Who did he want to show it to? Let's read it. Who did he want to show it to? To make known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That was over when God accepted the blood sacrifice of His Son. Anybody that would accept Christ as their Savior had access to God the Father. They didn't. They never will. Satan will never again be allowed to feel the presence of God. His job in heaven was the number one biggie. He was the number one angel that used to lead praises to Christ. Lucifer, okay, he used to bring the praises from the angels and and the heavenly beings and offer it to God. But one day he said, no, no, I want some of that stuff. And that's what he did. He rebelled against God. God threw him out of heaven. Jesus said, I beheld Satan falling like lightning out of heaven because he was foolish enough to try to take on Almighty God. So what's the one thing Satan wants from you and me? Is our intimacy with God. Because when I'm intimate with God... When I'm spending time with God, my Father's speaking to me. Jesus said in John 14, this is an incredible statement. He said, "He that, is that loveth me and obeyeth me, we will come and make our home with him." God, we—Who's the we? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Do you want real communion with God? Do you want real communion with God, guys, girls? Accept it. You don't enter it. Accept it. Walk into his presence. With Hebrews 5, 7 says this. This is incredible. With loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed unto his father. And because of his reverence for his father, his father heard his cries. Wow. All we have to do if we humble ourselves, say, Father, teach me more of you. Father, would you reveal yourself more to me? All those songs—those wonderful songs we sang this morning. Father, open up our eyes, please, God. Well, I got to get my glasses on for this one. All right. Well, stay in Ephesians for a second and and listen to Paul's prayer in Ephesians one, Ephesians one sixteen, Ephesians one sixteen. Let me read this to you. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I do not cease. Give thanks for you, remembering my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Now here it is. What did Paul want for the children in in, in the church? What did he want? That God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In what? The knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What did Paul want for us? that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has. Global revival starts right here. Starts right here. And God is using your pastors and their wives and children. Acts 4.13, our ministry, the scripture is this. Acts 4.13 says, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled, and they took knowledge of them as having been with Jesus. Wow. What's the one thing they took knowledge of? Hey, the residue of Christ, the presence of Christ, the mannerisms of Christ, the anointing of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them as having been with Jesus. In my prayer time, getting ready for today, I shared this with Pastor Tim earlier, and we both were just blown away. This is what God said to me. You may know to learn how to read the owner's manual and never know the owner. You may know how to read the owner's manual and never know the owner in relation to the Bible. The other thing God said to me is, there is effortless power and there is powerless effort. Would you like to have effortless power in your life? Would you really like to have that? Effortless power or powerless effort? I'm 62 years old. I've been saved 40 years. I want I want effortless power. And you know how I know I can have it? Because my father wants me to have it. The first thing my father did was he tore the veil that separated me from from him. The first thing he did, he said, son, come on in. Come on in, son, enjoy me. If you will reverence me, if you will acknowledge me, if you will be not casual with God. If you will be humble with God, God will reveal to you things that will blow you away. A couple minutes, I'm going to close. Yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian who happens to be in business. Proverbs 8.12 and the King James says this. This is going to blow your way. Proverbs 8.12 and the King James says this. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Let me read this to you. What does that have to do with you? Well, most of you work, like me, all right? Outside of the church. Most of you work in the secular world, right? So how's how's all this stuff? What does this stuff have to do with you? Yeah, it's good for Pastor Tim and Jen and Shelby and Josh. They're they're preachers, right? Uh-uh. They're called to equip us. Their calling is to equip us and to share with us and teach us and prod and us along and help us understand God. Our calling is to go into the world. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They took knowledge of them as having been with Jesus. Do you know why I like to be successful in business? And I could have cared less about business. I, I, I quit my job. I moved out of the country. My wife and I went into evangelism, and it failed so bad. It failed. Well, I ran from business. Every time I got into it, God was blessing me. I didn't want it. I wanted to be what Tim's doing. I thought that was more important. I wanted that. I wanted to be here preaching on, on Sunday morning. God said, no, Jimmy. There's men and women that you're going to touch that, I, that Tim could never touch. Josh could have Shelby and Jen it couldn't reach. But because of your alcoholism, because of, of the guys you ran with, because of all the stuff you've been through. When I went in the Marine Corps the, at Paris Island, I got there, so I had to have six months of plastic surgery to put my face back together. Six months. What time are we, what time are we closing? We well, had six months of plastic surgery to put my face back together. And uh my mother's praying for me all this while. You know, I had, after I, uh, laid, uh, after my mother saw me in the hospital, she got into her car. And on the way home in the car, she said, Jimmy, Satan was relentless with me. Isabel, where's is this God of yours now? Tell me about this all-powerful Jesus Christ. Where's he at? Look at your husband Jack, a drunk. Your son, your, your son Jack, Bill, Jane, then Mark to come. Tell me about this all-powerful Christ. Where's he at now, Isabel? Look at your kid. Tell me about this Jesus. You ever hear that at work, guys, girls? You ever hear that? Follow me out for a second, and we'll close. She got on her knees when she got back home, when she fell on uh, where she had prayed for us so often. She said, Jimmy, all I could do was start crying out to God. Please, Jesus, don't let him be blind. Please, Jesus, touch his eyes. Jesus, do something for this kid. When's it going to end, God? Please do something. My mother said at that moment, the Holy Spirit just came alongside of her, started to encourage her. Isabel, start confessing the promises of God. Isabel, start praising God. Isabel, don't doubt Him right now. Now is not the time to doubt. Start praising Him and thanking Him. Do it, Isabel. You can do it. He's Almighty God. There's nothing He can't do. He stretched out the heavens, Isabel. He created the universe. He spoke. and There was light. He can do anything. Praise Him, Isabel. She started praising him. She said at that moment, she saw this. She's dead now. She's 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 a lot more alive than I'm I'm here. She's with Jesus. But she said it was like this. She said, Jimmy, I saw his hand come down and touch your left eye. And when I saw that, I knew you were going to be okay. But I didn't know what was going to happen. Well, I'm in a coma, and I'm falling through darkness. And it was as real as me standing here with you right now you got to remember, at this time in my life, I'd never read the Bible, never been to a church as we know it. Nothing. Didn't understand spiritual wickedness in high places. And these scriptures I'm quoting today and reading up on the screens. Knew nothing of that. Now I'm falling through darkness. And I reached out on both sides. I tried to find a railing or something, but there was nothing there. And then my body came to this state. I just stopped. And I looked over on my left. and There were two things there. And I, they were ugly things. And and I, I, I didn't know what they were going to do, but I knew they were going to try to do with me whatever they wanted. And there was nothing I could do because it wasn't a spiritual thing. It wasn't a physical thing. I couldn't get a club, a gun, a knife. I, th- they were coming for me, and I couldn't do anything, and I was scared. The Bible says give no place to the devil. Why? Because of the rulers and authorities in dark places. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, wicked spirits in high places, those were the demons that I allowed to live in me through drugs. And now I started hardcore drugs at 15 years of age. By the time I'm 18, I'm an alcoholic. They were my friends. I used to drive around with a quart of beer between my legs. and Who knows what in the glove box. And I'd talk to the bottle. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Let's have a good time. Tonight. I don't need anybody else. Just you and I. Let's go. 18 years of age. Now they had come to claim exactly what they owned. Me. But my mother's home praying for me. She knew her God. She knew that he could do anything. As I'm in this state, Jesus came to me on this side. Yeah, I saw him. I can't describe him much. don't want to get into that. It's not really the importance of the story. And the essence of the discussion was this. Jimmy, he looked at me. He said, you've been playing around long enough. Do you want to continue? I had just gotten out of jail for minor stuff and prayed that prayer in jail. And, you know, I said, Jesus, what do I got to do? In other words, what must I do to be saved? I had no idea. I'm talking to, I'm talking to Jesus Christ. I knew, I, I, knew, I knew who he was. And they knew who he was. That's the interesting thing. They knew who he was. Because they stopped. And he said to me, Jimmy, you've been playing around long enough. Do you want to continue? And I said, Jesus, I don't. But what do I have to do? Look at me now. He said, Jim, if you'll recognize that you're a sinner. If you ask me to help you and cleanse you, I will, son, and I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you, Jim. I'll be your friend. I could understand that. I'll be your friend, Jim. And I said, Jesus, please help me. Please forgive me. The moment I said that, those two things left. I woke up two days later in intensive care, head wrapped like a mummy from here to here, just like it was literally the size of a basketball. And my mother and my friends, my dad said, the first words that I muttered through my broken jaw was, Mom, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And it was because she interceded for me. It was because she took the authority that your pastors are trying to teach you about this prayer gathering in May May the 8th. Why? Because they are the authorities in the land, the spiritual authorities. The pastors, God God uses parachurch ministries like ours. Yeah, he'll use them. But the main church, the main God's main plan is the Church of Jesus Christ. It is the spiritual authorities that He sets up, and the pastors have decreed they're coming together to lead you into God's presence to pray, so that in this region the demonic forces, the strongholds, that so that through the church, so that through the church, God would make known through the church. To the principalities and powers, that these are my kids and I'm going to hear their cry. These are my kids and I'm going to hear their cry. We have a God that answers prayer. And because my mother's prayed and, 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 and believed her God, I'm here today. I'm here today. And the one thing that Satan wants to take from me is the one thing he wants to take from you that is your intimacy with God. Your intimacy. Prayer, when we hear the word prayer, Satan has so reduced prayer to like, oh man, i got to pray. Hasn't he? Hasn't prayer? I have a prayer meeting. Why would I go to a prayer meeting? Because <laughs> we don't understand it. It's the greatest privilege, the greatest force ever known to mankind. Let me close with this. <sighs> You've been very blessed to be in a church that believes in prayer. You've been very blessed. God wants to hear your cry. So let's grow right now. We're going to go to God in prayer. And and I'm going to, as I pray, if you have a loved one that you're thinking of, if you have a personal need, a marriage, if you have a financial need, a, a physical need, a mental need, a mo- whatever that is, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. And if you have a need, just raise up your hand as, a, as an act of faith to God. If you have a need that we want to take this before God Almighty, And ask God to move in a supernatural way for you. Lift up your hand. That's it. Almost everybody in there. That's beautiful. At least you're being honest. That's awesome. I got needs. I got all kind of needs. Let's go to God. Pastor Tim, would you please come and pray?
0: Father, we thank you for your welcome. We walk into the throne room right now. I I imagine that there is a, a capacity right now in the minds, in our minds and in our hearts to envision ourselves walking into your throne room right now. And so as we walk into your presence by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, God, we realize that the veil is torn open and that we have direct access to the living God and we come before you right now for some of us we all we can come with right now is our own selves and we just say we're a mess and we desperately need you god there's some of us who come carrying others on our back and we're 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 wrapping our arms around those we know and we're carrying the the burdens of them with us. And you tell us to carry one another's burdens. And that doesn't mean, we know that doesn't mean that we just try to effort for other people. It means that we labor in prayer. And so, God, we come into your presence right now. And I know that you you long to meet us in that place of prayer. And, you know, there's part of us that still wrestles kind of like Jacob wrestled with you. And there's part of us that still wrestles where we're trying to let go of our, 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 our human, our flesh, all of that, that would want to solve everything on our own. And, and we still wrestle and we're tangled up in that. But we come into the throne room and we are reminded that our Father, our Dad, our Caregiver, our Savior is God Almighty. And we stand in your presence right now. And we bring to you our deepest needs. We bring to you our hearts and we bring to you our concerns, our cares, God. We bring to you those who are hurting around us, those who have needs that, that the doctors don't know what to do with, that our jobs don't pay enough to solve. God, the, the 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 counselors can't quite take care of this problem that's deep inside my heart and my mind that can't be broken. Man, those relationships that are busted up and torn up and tangled and, and carrying all those burdens, God, we bring them to you right now and we know there is one great physician, there is one doctor, there is one healer, there is one God and Father of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we come before you with our deepest needs, with our dark concerns, with our hidden sins, with the secrets that no one else knows and we open them up, God. We open up those closets and say, God, turn the skeletons full, turn the closets full of skeletons into prayer closets right now, God. Cleanse them and wash them. Take out the skeletons and move us to a place of prayer. God, take out the need needs that we thought were impossible and expose them to the light of Jesus. God, we ask that in this moment, God, you would continue to raise our faith. God, that this would not just be an individual faith. We are a church. And we come together because among us, God is where you reveal the manifold wisdom. Among us is the mystery of God being revealed. And, you know, I have some faith when I'm home around my bed, when I'm standing out of my boys' doors and I'm praying for them. But when we come together, we have an opportunity for an exponentially greater faith. And so, God, I ask that here at Parker Ford Church and all across our land, you would raise our faith, God. God, that the things that we know of in our head, we would begin to see in our mind's eyes, and that our imaginations would begin to take over. And that places where our, our reasoning, our, our, our logic has, has kept you at a distance and kept you locked in a theology, God, that now our, our faith, our imagination would awaken and we would begin to see things and experience things and know things and be assured of things that before were distant because faith is the essence of things hoped for and the presence of things unseen. And so God, we stand in faith together as a church and we declare that you are real and you are here and that we are not beyond your reach. And what happened 2,000 years ago when you awoke in your church and you put fire in your church is something that's still available today. And there are places in our world that move with the power of your spirit. And we don't want to stand outside of that, God. We don't want to play church I don't have time for that, God. God, I ask that with my brothers and sisters here right now, that every thought, that every concern, that every care, we just put them in a collective pool among us. And we offer them up to you. And you have told us extremely clear, extremely clearly, you have said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer And supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So cast your cares upon God, because God cares for you. Father, we thank you for your heart. You poured out your blood. You gave your Son. You created us. You sustain us. You gave us each other. You brought Jim here today. You started to bind your church together. We just stand in faith right now and cast our cares in front of you. Yes, here they are. You're our dad. You want them. We're not yes. going to play games. We're just giving them to you. Do your thing, God. Do your thing. We release it in the name of Jesus. If there is anybody who does not have a living dynamic relationship with Jesus, you need to have a living communication with god if you're at that spot like jim where you know you're kind of feeling like you're falling and you're just kind of wandering and today's the day where you're like i need Today to enter so into lovely. a real relationship with In god jesus D- today's your moment like thank right you. now's your moment this is the time where, like living thank god it's like i want to embrace you i want to bring you home and i want to set you free thank you and I want to bring you into the destiny that
1: I have for you.
0: And so so if you're here and that's true of you, if that's true of you, I need, I, I need you to respond to that. I don't need you to do anything publicly in, a, in any weird way. But what I need you to do is I need you to raise your hand and look up at me. Thank you, Jesus. If that is true of you, so I can meet with you afterwards. You. If that is true of you, I'll meet with you afterwards and we will pray. If you need to give your life to Jesus. And if you haven't had that meeting, you. if you haven't had that connection. You, Jesus. Today, for all of us you, Jesus. who know that there is a living you, God who is waiting to meet us and that we have so often neglected, we stand as a church. Just stand with me, church. We stand as a church on your feet. We stand with you, God. We stand with you. We remember that when Stephen was being stoned, he he was not just groveling on the floor. as He was being stoned. He looked up and the heavens opened up. And he said, And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God welcoming us home. And so, God, embarrassment, shame, all the sowing and reaping principles, all that, it's just overtaken by this thing that we call grace. And we enter into your presence today. And as a church, we agree together that you are God and you are not distant. You are present. You are God and you are not unfaithful. You are faithful. You are here and you are with us and you answer prayer. And you have promised us that you will. So all of these things that we've brought and put in front of you, that most of us don't know what the other one's thinking or whatever, all that stuff, we agree together that you care about that stuff and that you're going to move, God. And then together we look beyond ourselves because you call us the priesthood, a royal priesthood. And we look around at the people at our workplace, the people in our families, We look around at the culture around us. We look at the the depression that's kind of consumed Pottstown. We looked at the division of the church. We look at all of that. And we stand Jesus. together, yes, God. God, right now, in the name of on Jesus. behalf of the church, yes, and on behalf of our land, name of Jesus. and on behalf of our region. And, and we just claim Jesus. that, God, you are capable of bringing yes, this yes.
2: movement. Yes, Jesus, do it, God.
0: God, we are not sitting do it, here in doing the all of, of this just so that you won't show up. We believe in you. In the name you. of Jesus, Father. And so, God, as a church, we stand together on behalf of the rest of the church, on behalf of our culture, on behalf of our town over there across the river, on behalf of Coventry Glen surrounding us right now, on behalf of our workplace, God. We stand and we say, God, bring the movement of your spirit. God, bring awakening. Bring renewal. Bring revival. God, please, in the name of Jesus, would you. you restore your church to all she's meant to be? Yes, God. And God, would you reveal the manifold wisdom of God through your church? Yes, Father. Make known the mystery of the gospel. Yes, Jesus. That those who have been divided can become one yes, Jesus. in Jesus. That under the name of yes, Jesus, Lord. there is one Hallelujah. faith, one church, one baptism, one Hallelujah. God and Father of all. Make yourself known. Manifest yourself among us. Thank and you, as Jesus. you do this, God, and as you walk this out Thank over the you, course Jesus. of the next few weeks and months and into a couple of years here, as you walk this out, our commitment is we will give you honor and we will give you praise and we will glorify your name name and they will see no man but Jesus. In the
2: name of Jesus, Father.
0: In the name of Jesus, we pray
2: together. Yes, Lord. Amen.
0: Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Amen. You can play. We're going to, you can exit, go in peace, band play. If you want to stick around and sing, feel free.